Back into our two-hour discussion session here at the Radio Ranch. Roger Sales, your host, and the People's Patriot Network, our venue, and we've got our little Jitsi platform for audio stuff. Got a couple of folks in with us already. It's the August 25th show, 825-20, and it's a Tuesday, which means Patriot Lunch Day. So uh, get to see the guys this afternoon. That's always a nice break in the week. Good folks, nice group generally pretty good food and uh so here we are on martes is what they call it in spanish mars day martes m-a-r-t-e-s um it was uh it was ultima it was martes ultima <laughs> that means last it was last tuesday that uh the little Microsoft update disaster hit us. There goes Jeff. I guess he's going to try and switch over and listen on you and uh, tune in. Um, and uh, I was going to launch into what I hope we get into today because I'd had a couple of questions about it. I'd mentioned it the week before and gone over it. And I know it's anytime you hit this complex information hits you in the face for the first time. It doesn't matter whether it's the legal stuff or the, or or this financial stuff or or whatever the genre is. It hits you. It's confusing because you don't understand it. You've never seen it before. So I understand that, and I was doing it for Amanda and Alan and Elizabeth and some of the new folks' sake because it's one of those basic interactions at the bottom where the magician does his thing. You know, I remember, uh, let's see if you saw this, Brent's with us. I know Brent, Vegas Brent. Um, Brent, do you remember seeing David Copperfield make that airplane and the Statue of Liberty disappear on television? No, I don't really. Well, back that. you know, decades ago, when David Copperfield uh, was the big magician of the day, and he pulled that stunt off and made an airplane disappear in Philadelphia, I believe. Uh, but anyway, obviously, it's a magic trick. That's what these guys are—is magic. Back when I was in Atlanta, Brent, in the record business, we—and uh, it's kind of topical because uh, this week this city's going to come into a little more focus. Generally, doesn't, uh, except once a year. But it's a superb, one of the premier skiing areas in the world is Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And uh, we, as a group in Atlanta, would go out there every year for about five years in a row. And the way it would happen, there's this rock and roll photographer there in Atlanta. His name was Rick Diamond. Uh, and uh, Rick got all of the record business. That's how I knew him. We got to be friends. We saw each other all over the place. And he was uh, just gotten into skiing. And so a Jew kid, you know, from Miami. And uh, so what would happen is every year when it gets about 100 to 100 and whatever degrees in Atlanta there in the middle of the summertime, Rick would call and say, it's time to plan the ski trip. And so he'd get ahead and plan it weeks ahead of time, do all the legwork. And a group of us between, I don't know, 8 and 15 people or so would go out there and spend between a week and two weeks, 10 days, every year there for a stretch. Jackson Hole, Wyoming, magnificent part of the country. 
uh, actually, I, I, I would, I've always thought I would really enjoy living out there. That my kind of country. Nice people, spectacular area, uh, some of the premier skiing in the world, and the New World Order, of course, has screwed it up, and uh, they have an annual uh, financial meeting out there every year, which is this week. So that's going to happen this week. You'll hear a little bit more about it. But I was going to say, with all that lead-up, that Rick Diamond, his father, I asked him one time, Rick, what's your dad do? I think I got to meet him once. I'd met his mother and his sister a time or two. But the dad, uh, and he said he he uh, patents, his, patents magic tricks. I never did follow up on it, but it stuck in my mind because that's kind of an unusual vocation. I think you'll agree. And, uh, of course, the Jewish and their patented magic tricks, always coming up with that kind of an approach and a mind that I'm going to come up and figure out magic tricks. Uh, and that's all we're dealing with here. That's what we're dealing with in the political thing, which one's the P under, as I like to say. And we're certainly dealing, it, dealing with it over in the financial side. And so uh, I wanted to go over that again today, and it Probably is complex, but it, it sounds complex if you've never heard it before. And the mechanisms, the magic, how they do the magic, but it's all real basic and understandable. And so you have to understand there's a there's a micro and there's a, a, a macro, okay? And there's the big picture, and then there's the small picture, and that we're going to talk about specifically is how what we what they call monetizing currency. But let's go over the big picture first and we we'll go over the, the smaller one and um, how I found out about it, where the source was, how you can know it's the right information. And then really once you see the mechanisms, it is like our political findings. It's just brilliant. I mean, <laughs> you study these guys long enough, man, and you, you, as I've said before, you don't have to like them. In fact, you can hate them if you want like I do. But uh, – but you damn sure better respect him. Okay. Wow, even the last guy dropped off here. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully we're not having any jitsy problems today. We seem to have a little of that yesterday. Okay, well, you're welcome to join us if you want, and hopefully that didn't get cut off. But let's continue here and get the, get the message out. The bigger picture is the overall picture and the one we know about better than anybody else in the world, except the, our enemies. Of course, they know this. It's com common knowledge in the upper echelons of their uh, little gathering, I figure. But there are certain levels that below that they don't understand the mechanism. Okay, uh, And, of course, because the mechanism's so easy, the remedy's so easy to execute is the reason. A, to fool you. B, uh, that they've made it this complex and brought in things like the feudal system. But B, uh, because uh, it, it just totally overwhelms you, okay? And the fact of little things like when you try and talk to people about this and tell them that they're property in this system, and they just can't believe it because they don't even understand what the real property is a right, not an object, and so you got so many levels of deceit, ignorance, if you want to come use that term. It's been used. It's accurate. More accurate is probably uh, functional illiteracy. 
you can understand this stuff. It's just that you hadn't been shown it and people are trying to trick you. Okay. So the first thing and the whole basis of this and why this is so important is that what we teach here on a regular basis, the political uh, voluntary servitude deal, is because that's the base of the whole thing. Okay, And you hear other people, other researchers and commenters and writers talk about financial slavery and this kind of other slavery and that but you're you're in actual voluntary servitude okay it's not any kind of other things that come off of it that's what the condition is it's legal by omission in the 13th amendment and you volunteered and agreed with them every time they've ever asked you and then even more importantly you signed something okay so that is the key basis of everything. Off of that little play, they're able to, boy, people coming in and out here. Three Bs, holy, Lord of mercy, ought to go to Vegas. Um, so they parlay that, but the whole reason is because of this property issue that now they can not only make their man-made laws that they can apply to you if you're a resident or citizen of the United States, then the bureaucratic state kicks in to control you. And the other thing they can do, turn that thing down, is uh, securitize and collateralize you. And that's the basis of their whole imaginary financial scheme. Good word, scheme here. So start at the bottom in the collateral. You're born, the birth certificate is generated, it serves two purposes. One side is the nefarious side and they shoot it over into the commerce thing uh, and, and it's traceable through the numbers and eventually you as that your future income as property and the future income that you're going to generate with the taxes they're going to extract are going to satisfy the bonds that are attached to you as property don't forget bond is the root word of bondage okay and here's the connection so it's important go over and i think most of you know that but it's the basis of why everything works is that connection to get you to say yes on those questions so as that goes forward we have now a system called the federal reserve system it was of course originally happened in 1913 a bad year for our country a lot of things they took advantage of the year 13 put it that way this was one of them and what they do and one of the things they sold the federal reserve system on was called the elasticity of the monetary supply see when you got gold and silver as money which they had you've got a pretty even keel economically and financially because the amount of gold that, or silver that comes out of the ground on an annual basis is about 2% more than was there the previous year, okay? And so the economy can fluctuate 2% or more, and it is a stabilizer, but it is, in a sense, a restriction because you can't go in and say, you know, I need so much so much to borrow to do this big project. Well, we've only got so much here. You know, that kind of a thing. And they went around it by doing trusts. And the, back in the old days, corporations were limited. You know, like the, the I think there was a corporation that built the Erie Canal. But the, uh, the payout on the bonds was limited to 20 years. Okay? And then the corporation died. So uh, th those kind of things have been used in the past. And the reason for it was the inelasticity of the monetary supply, how much you got out there that you can 
that you can deal with. And that was one of the weak spots that they used to get the Federal Reserve in. Remember, they always use a benefit, you know, and you don't understand the duties. And so the Federal Reserve was brought in to cure this problem of the elasticity of the monetary supply, and that's why it's structured like this. Because that elasticity is called credit, and credit's nothing but debt. So as we go into it, let's start how the Federal Reserve System works. There's 12 banks in the Federal Reserve System. There's one in Atlanta, one in Dallas, one in San Francisco, one in Chicago, others around the country, Richmond's one. and But the head one is the New York Bank, where and of course the Federal Reserve is owned by the member banks, which are owned by families, obviously. And... Uh, the way the system is designed, the head bank is in New York, and the Federal Reserve, of course, got the, op the committee and stuff in D.C., but um, there they get together, and you'll hear it talk about Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meetings, FOMC, they call it, and they get together, I believe it's every six weeks. They get together every six weeks, and they look at all the input from all the different member banks because they all do, you know, the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis is the one you'll see a lot of commentators using their charts. Uh, the Federal Bank of, of uh, Reserve Bank of Chicago is the one that wrote the book was referenced on the show the other day, Modern Mo Monetary Mechanics, which I'm sure you can still get. It tells you what I'm going to tell you, but they just don't tell you the way I tell you. Okay, as usual. So anyway, there's 12 of them, and they meet every six weeks, and they look at all their information, and they decide how much circulating currency should be in the system. And so let's just say for our example here, then they call back, and they order whatever if they need to add money into the system. Uh, they put this order in, and they have uh, they call the Bureau of Printing and Engraving over at the Treasury. And they say, well, uh, we need, let's use hypothetical, we need a billion dollars, and it doesn't matter what denomination, except they pay the, the uh, Bureau of Printing and Engraving, they write them a check. When they print them up a bunch of this stuff, and there's another operation that I believe the Fed owns that prints the bonds, but it's, it's attached to the Bureau of Printing and Engraving. And so they actually pay them per bill. When they print up the Federal Reserve notes, they pay them. It's like, I don't know how much. It's probably gone up a little bit. It's not paper. It's really cotton. And for the ink and the paper and whatever, they pay them like 0 .0134 per bill, whether it's 100 or whether it's a 1. So they stroke them a check for the amount of bills that they printed on that ratio. But then they send it, because this is stuff's not monetized yet. It's just pieces of green paper with dead presidents mostly on them. Okay? And so they take the bonds, and they have an equal amount of bonds printed because that's the backing for the full faith and credit of the United States. When you see it referred to on the Federal Reserve note, that really is a promise to pay the bondholders underneath. Boy, they got more layers here, and it's incredible how many points there's compound interest involved against you. Okay, So they take the, the Federal Reserve newly printed notes and the equivalent amount in bonds, and both of those, that billion dollars, are sent to 
the Federal Reserve in New York. Now, at this point, there's a fork in the road. And the bonds go over into a different system where they have these guys called primary bond dealers. Of course, these are all the banks. They're all in All the synagogue buddies are in cahoots. And so the primary bond dealers are the ones that handle the underlying debt because bonds are a debt. And it doesn't, they can put them out there for six months, one month, three year, five year. The benchmark is 10 year because other interest rates around the world, mortgages and stuff like that, the key bench rate that they reference to internationally is the 10 year bond. They've also got 20s and 30s. And they're talking about 50s and 100s. Okay. But they take those, and to be evidently a primary bond dealer, to get the, the synagogue deal, <laughs> to get the synagogue deal, you got to be a primary bond dealer. And they then have reciprocal obligations. And one of the obligations they got, when the Federal Reserve wants to sell all their bonds, they want to get rid of them. They don't want to be holding them. Guess who holds them? The primary bond dealers, they got a quota and a ratio, I don't know how it's figured out, where they are required to take any excess bonds. And then they're the ones that sell them to the public, and that's the bond debt that finances the country. Your income tax does not finance the country. It's that little relationship and that schematic that we just went over that runs the country. And if you don't believe that, if you're new, you can go back and verify that you're this yourself. There was a Reagan commissioned a commission. It was the head of the guy was named Peter Grace, and it was called the Grace Commission. Its findings were in the early 80s. You can find it on the Internet. You go read this for yourself. And it says not one penny of your taxes goes to the day-to-day -day running of the federal government. Boom. Okay. Well, next question, of course, is which he didn't answer. So, well, where does it go? Uh, it goes into this bondholder payment scheme. The bondholders have the full faith and credit, credit, credit of the United States. So that's the bond side. But what we went over with the, with the um, advent of new listeners is what I call the retail wholesale, wholesale retail cocktail, wholesale retail side. And that's the Federal Reserve notes. And the ones we call money, which are nothing but debt and shouldn't be called money, there's your, uh, there's your equivocation where they get you. It really should be uh, termed currency. That's the correct, correct label for it. Circulating currency. And remember, we talked about yesterday that something Daryl found. Um. Uh, and it was talking about the monetary system in the early days of the country. And they said warehouse receipts often circulated as currency. So now with what we know, what about if you circulated birth certificates as currency? Okay. Well, they're keeping them because when they're generated in that process, they put them in a safe, a, a safe with armed guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But anyway, now that's why we just circulate banknotes. In the old days, they circulated warehouse receipts, evidently. First time I've seen that information, I thought it was real, real interesting. So anyway, now we've got the billion dollars worth of bonds has gone off into the bond market. 
Now we got the billion dollars worth of currency. So what we're going to do is loan that out to our same synagogue buddies. Uh, and we do that on a retail wholesale type structure. What do I mean by that? Usually when retail stores are working, they'll buy something at $5 and sell it to you at $10. It's called the Keystone uh, uh, formula. And you can look at that as either 100% markup or 50% markup, depending on where you look at the base from. Okay, But regardless, it's doubling the price, and that's the same scheme here. And the way that they set the initial price there with their synagogue buddies, with the currency, we're talking about Federal Reserve notes now of that billion that they requested, goes over to the banking system, to their primary best customers, and they call that rate the overnight rate. And you've probably heard it. And if not, you'll hear it at some point, as, unless the system disintegrates, which is close to doing. But this is the way it's structured and has worked for many years and many decades. And so that's the overnight rate. And let's just say for simplification, they give them that money at 2.5%. Okay? So their best synagogue buddies get it at 2.5% that they've got a discount that they will pay the Federal Reserve. They turn around and loan it out on the street at 5%. And so that is how money or the green pieces of paper with dead presidents on them gets monetized. Okay. And they now, it's still not monetized. The banks can even get it. Well, I guess it's probably loaned in from the Federal Reserve at that point. But it now has to be loaned into circulation. Because even if it's in the banks, it's not necessarily in circulation. If it was, we'd be having hyperinflation right now. Okay, What the Federal Reserve did to keep a lot of this money out of the public's hands is once they give it to the banks, then they'll agree to pay them back 3% interest, 0.5% more than the 2.5 they borrowed it at. And they will then give it back to the Federal Reserve, and they'll stick it on, on a shelf and pay the bank's interest and not let it get to you because if it gets to the main street in mass, the inflation starts showing. Okay, And so that's one of the curbs they figured out on how to do this. But the mechanism now at the bank level is the one that I really wanted to dwell on. And this is, this is the one that's a great example of the magician sitting at the felt-covered table with the three thimbles going, which one's the P under? Boom. Now, to... to to get this in your mind, because it's not complex, it seems complex, it's not complex, and the reason that it, some people have problems with it, I think, is because you got to have a little bit of basic knowledge of three fields. you got to know a little bit about bookkeeping, you got to go a little bit about finance, and you got to know a little bit about merchant law. You don't have to know much, but you don't have to have to know these basic mechanisms from those areas that are all working in combination here in this little fraud, this little magic trick. So the magic trick is that you want something and you can't pay for it. This is the elasticity of the money supply. Okay, You want something, that car, that house. Don't forget, there never were 30-year mortgages before the 30s. Nobody, no bank would write a mortgage longer than 10 years, and they would service them in-house. They'd keep them themselves. That's the Jimmy Stewart, it's a wonderful life scenario. Okay, 
But this is the elasticity of the money supply. And so what they did was set this system up. So let's say you want to go get the car, you know, and they you go find the one you want, and it's fifty grand. And so you say, man, I like that one. The sales guy says, well, uh, we can certainly get it in your hands. Uh, would you like? You got fifty thousand there in that little paper bag of yours, or w- would you like to finance it? Well, I don't quite have fifty k in the bag here or in the bank account, or I can stroke you a check. So I guess I need to finance it. And so they go over and sit down, and here's where you need to know something about merchant law. And you sit down and you make a promise to pay. I, Joe Blow, certified that I will pay, promise to pay. Of course, it's called a promissory note. I promise to pay so many payments, and they figured out for you they're so so kind, so much principal, and so many much interest for so many months. Now, when you sign that at the bottom, It's a financial instrument. It doesn't look like a pile of bills sitting there in that amount, but that's what it is, and it's a future on your labor and your ability to pay that payment over that much time. So it now is a future stream of income that you've signed your name to and committed to in contract form. Okay, And so they take that back to the financial institution. And here's where you need to understand a little bit about bookkeeping. Double-entry bookkeeping was developed, I guess is the word, developed in the 1500s up in the northern Italy there when that area of the world was the center of finance and trade. Venice and Florence and the bankers and the Medici and uh, the Pope and the influence in the Catholic Church and Galileo and all that stuff in that period of time. And double-entry bookkeeping, of course, is nothing but a credit and a debit. You got, And they've got to equal. you got one side of stuff you owe, you got one side of stuff you got coming or got, and they're supposed to equal out. Okay. And so that is what allowed them to take it the next step and figure out this little scam. Before that, they couldn't have done it. Okay. And so here, now you go in and get the car and you write out your financing statement, you sign it. Now you got a future income stream and they carry it back to, let's say, GMAC. Okay. They're in more in the finance business more than now than they are in the car business. So you take it back to GMAC and they put it on their books. And here's the key. Here's where the magician puts the P under the first thimble. Okay, they put it on their books as a liability. The financial institution that is the intermediary took the negotiable paper with future value, financial paper they call it, back to the institution and he put it on the negative side of the ledger, the stuff they owe. But it's not an I.O. It, it, as the paper, is a future income stream. How do they put it on the books as a liability? Those two things don't match. That's where the fraud is. Now, where they rectify it is they pull the paper, a positive income stream, and they sell it at a discount in the secondary market, let's say to the Federal Reserve, which they do with mortgages, by the way. Uh, 
And so let's say it's the Federal Reserve. Well, the, whatever the amount was that you agreed to pay out over time, let's say it went up to 100000 Well, instead of giving them 100000 for the note, the Federal Reserve, the, the item only costs 50 The Federal Reserve maybe give them 70 if they're lucky. They'll give them 70000 of that, okay? And then they've got the note in the background that you're going to pay it directly to them, but the bank now has the 70000 that they sent them with a $20,000 profit. And now they take the, and that is entered on the asset side of the ledger to balance the books out. And so now they take 50 of that 70 and they write it to the car dealership. And then you've got the payments with the collateral, which is, by the way, a depreciating asset. So not only have you got now a depreciate, you got a nice flashy car, all the girls look at you, you know, but you also got this payment stream for 36, 48 months, whatever it is. And if you fail to pay, they're going to come grab it. And, oh, by the way, you're paying compound interest on a depreciating asset. How about that? And so that's the way the monetary system works. And now the money, which has gone through the laundering process and become actually monetized, I should say currency, has been actually monetized through the process. It's not a dead piece of paper, a green paper with a president on it. It's now out circulating. It's now in the car dealership's bank account, and they're going to go pay bills with it and this, that, and the other. But that's the main way that the monetary system was set up after the Federal Reserve for the elasticity. So, of course, a lot of people can get access to credit in this fluctuating Federal Reserve notes, but what do the bankers get access to? All the vigorish. Because it's the compound interest that's being paid. It's being paid on the bonds. It's being paid on these on these different transactions hither and yon. You're always stuck with a pretty much a depreciating asset. Even if you think your home is appreciating, your home isn't appreciating when you figure in the rate of the extra currency that's been put into the system that makes those dollars that are your home are assigned to worth less and able to buy less. Okay. I had a conversation with a guy recently on the side who was uh, gold and silver came up. He said, man, that gold and silver are a terrible investment. Well, first of all, gold and silver aren't an investment unless you're in that field of trading and all that stuff. They're really a way to protect your purchasing power against so many people going through and loaning this money into existence. Think of it. Every time you use a credit card, that that system goes into effect. You're creating, monetizing money every time you use a credit card because there's a debt and there's something to do that you purchased in between. Okay, So that's the system they're making out. I mean, hell, man, uh, over all these decades, all the scams that they've pulled, if nothing else, but based on this basic multi-tier compound interest mechanism, I mean, these bastards are fat. And, of course, what they've done is they've always done throughout history. They get gluttonous, they get hubris, they get arrogant, and they always overstep their bounds. They lose, they lose touch, and that's what's happening right now. Uh, we're about to see the monetary system change. Um, pretty good Max Kaiser interview out this morning with a guy that owns a global Bitcoin bank. I can't remember, Simon something. Sharp guy, good interview, 30 minutes well spent. Um uh, 
and uh, that's what they're talking about is the change in the monetary system. And the other thing you got to be careful about in your mind is the differential differentiation with a token, cyber token, if you will, or a coin as applied to a cyber coin, a crypto coin that's got to go through a routine, you know, that that brings it into existence that's open, transparent, decentralized, all those things. Those things are totally different, okay? As much different as circulating currency and gold and silver, all right? There's a big difference in it, like, God bless her, Catherine Austin Fitz. I'm not sure that she has that thing separated in her mind because I keep take, hearing her taken coin or token characteristics and applying them to cyber currency and they don't necessarily apply to both but that's the way the monetary system was uh was uh, set up and it they, it's so skillful the the way i heard this many years ago when i was new like some of you are and hungry for this knowledge and understanding you got you got to get the knowledge before you can get the understanding and I would listen to being a radio buff and wanting this information bad. And there was limited, this in the early 90s, and there was very limited uh, Internet stuff that you could access on this back then. And so one resource was WWCR, shortwave radio, still there out of Nashville. And uh, in at night they used to have, oh, they had Tom Valentine on for the Liberty Lobby in the spotlight for a couple hours. They had Pastor Peters on. And then after that it was Bill Cooper. So it was a pretty good lineup, pretty notable folks back then. And I'd sit up. Well, it, at one point after Bill Cooper ended, I was in the Eastern time zone. And at 1 o'clock, getting pretty late, in the evening they had this other guy on for three hours from one to four and i don't remember his name and i wish i could uh he's they he used to have a thing called water eyes and he would take and he was doing uh colloidal minerals coppers uh, not only silver, but gold and other stuff. And for some reason, the feds came down on that guy way back then, and they threw him in a in a that deep high security facility out there outside of Denver. I don't think the guy's out yet. I know for a long time his father was had a campaign on the net to try and get him out, and I just don't remember his name. But it was on the, his show that I heard this information. And the way I heard it was a guy, they've scrubbed the internet of him pretty good now. I'm sure he's still out there. He was a young guy. His name's Tom Schaff, S-C-H-A-F-F. -F. You know, actually, Jim Ram has his material, has a copy of his material. And Tom Schaff was a certified public accountant who somehow had found a way to get himself certified as a forensic accountant and do trial work where he could get called as an expert witness and get the big bucks. And so when he got in and started doing that, Tom realized that there was no place that certified CPAs for that accreditation. And so, well, there's the successful formula for a business, find a need and fill it. And so he started a school for other qualified, certified CPAs, licensed CPAs, to qualify them to go out and make the extra big bucks. And it was in his school, one of his students was a, was a, a, F, was a federal regulate, 
a re- regulator in banking, an accountant. And he pulled him aside and he said, every, every loan in America is a fraud. And the already existing expert CPA witness says what most of you say if I'd make that statement. What are you talking about? And lays out this process. So that's where it came from. I was uh, just enthralled that night. You used to have to really suffer. You know, you guys talk about listening on Jitsi and the audio problems we got. Hell, we ain't got nothing compared to how you just had to listen to those shortwave signals late at night. All that white noise in the background. You had to really want this to sit there and go through that, okay? Well, I contacted. He gave out his contact information, and I contacted uh, Tom, and he was starting to try and start his uh, another business to help people take this to court because they had examples where people would take this example of what they now know, that process we went over, the which one's the P under, and take it to to court under their mortgage, under the under fraud that you didn't loan us any money and in every case they would give them the keys to their house and put the court case under seal where nobody else could see it and so he was going in that direction i helped him write some of his contracts and i was pretty new i'd gone through paralegal school and you know knew enough to be dangerous but anyway so we had a relationship for a while i hadn't spoken with him or contacted him or hadn't he contacted him many years i certainly wish him well he gave me a big piece to the puzzle real early on and so that's how the fraudulent monetary system works on the big picture and the small picture from the big picture how they got you to volunteer into being a voluntary surf and the presumption that you are from birth as represented by your your birth certificate you just don't know it's being used in a Uh, merchant law way in the background and that your property so that's kind of the way the whole little and that's why this approach with that affidavit is so important man it yanks the cotter pin out from under them right there at the base their whole structure fumbles because the base connection's gone so that's why it's so effective that's why they're so scared of it they know it's fraud all these different areas, they understand it's fraud. They can't, you people that are worried about them coming after you, they can't come after you without exposing their fraud. They're caught in a catch-22. And so that's where we got them, you know. It's like I, uh, like I, I like to say, what, what have you got when you got one green ball in your right hand and one green ball in your left hand? Anybody know? You got the jolly green giant right where you want him. And that's where we got them. We just don't realize it. We had not been empowered enough yet. I realize it. Daryl realizes it. Brian realizes it. Some of the folks that have been through this opened up their minds, got the information, gone through the growth, t- took the early steps, got the empowerment process going. Once it starts going, it works on its own. It's self-perpetuating. This empowerment process is like stepping into a vacuum. It sucks you forward. Okay? In a positive way, not a negative way. So, uh, listen, I've covered a lot of ground there. we got a g- couple of folks on with us. Uh, was all that clear as clear or clear as mud? Are we on the air? I guess we are. 
I know Daryl said he was going to be in and out today. And uh, we got, let's see, we got two B's, a gray man, and an S on there. Did, uh, was that, did y'all understand that? Am I talking into a brick wall here? I know, I know somebody on there has something to comment on. Yes, you are on the air. There's Robert. Hey, Robert. Yeah, yeah. And uh, welcome back to the to the airwaves there. I say, I heard you yesterday. I was like, whoa, get back on the network. It's amazing <laughs> what a little time with Paul will do for you. Well, I'm glad he was able to help you. Me too. Well, he's got a lot of stuff going on right now. He's doing the Hellstorm thing. Has got a new publisher, yeah. and they're trying to go back and 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 I guess do new stuff, cover old stuff, get new exposure, etc. So I know he's been swamped. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's cool. So good. Oh, Robert, you've heard that before. It is that clear that? in your mind what I just went over here for the first what thirty minutes. Um, I wouldn't say it's crystal clear, but kind of, yeah, clearly you understand about more in depth than I do. And well, I, I mean, appreciate you can see them here is, this is one thing I should have added into that. And I just saw it maybe a year or two ago. And it was a quote from Jefferson who I tremendously admire. And, um, he said, no discounting of notes. Now, that's just a phrase right there. It wasn't in context or anything else. But, hell, man, it told me he knew exactly what was going on. Because, you see, if they stop the discounting of notes here, when they bring the contract for the car back and put it on the negative side of the ledger and then turn around and get refurbished with cash, they're trading it for cash at a discount. And, see, Jefferson knew they must have been trying it back then. He said, no discounting of notes. If there was a law put in where they couldn't discount those notes, now what would the system be? It would be the old banking system where the banks could only learn, loan out so much because they kept all the paper internally, and you went and paid your mortgage payment or your car payment to the bank. See, then there's a finite, there's a limit. As long as they can discount those notes, they can bring those paper monopoly dollars back in and just flood the system with them. And the more they do that, the more levels of compound interest they get. Think of the big system as a boiler. If you can imagine this in your mind, a boiler, a boiler is meant to do what? Derive power under heat yeah so at the front end of the boiler you got one big pipe and that's the pipe that brings the water into the boiler and then on the sure. other end is the big outlet that lets the steam out right mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. in the middle you've got all kinds of little gauges and knobs and stuff you can turn to alter that flow and alter that pressure all that right well that's the monetary mm -hmm. system Okay, and at the front end is the water coming in is this action of going to the bank and taking out a loan. The currency's coming in like the water into the boiler, except it always comes in at compound interest. So the bankers get their compound interest at the front guaranteed under this system, multiple lever layers. Mm 
all right? So now it comes into the boiler, and you get the pressure, and you crank down a few knobs, let's say, and you get the pressure up. How would you do that? Well, you might uh, uh, raise the overnight rate, or you might go in and play with taxes and make uh, taxes like Joe Biden wants them double. And then they come in and start cranking down the little levers and stuff on the boiler, right? And the steam out the back is what is left after they've fleeced your ass. <laughs> it's the too much month at the end of the money scenario. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's what it is. It's a big pressure cooker that they can suck stuff off, and but it always comes into effect when the water goes into the boiler. It always is the effect when you go or somebody goes and takes out a loan or uses a credit card or some other way uses this mechanism they've got set up, this system. It's slick, man. Yes, as bus station chili. It's even more so. <laughs> and and Robert, if you believe that, I got some land in Portland. I want to sell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No thanks. I got downtown. I, I, it's I downtown some... Portland, Robert. Damn. Yeah, you got high rise condo. Hey, Robert, I I got some uh, I got some cheap rental commercial uh, property up in Kenosha. I can. Yeah, right. you up with Kenosha was good. Yeah, that's yeah. your stomping ground, uh, uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I'm actually uh, very aware of the specific buildings and businesses they're talking about. I've been in, I was in that furniture store once, so it burned down. So, yeah. nice little town, used to be a nice little town. Yeah. Did they yeah. used to have an office place there? Uh, they had, uh, that was that was the home of uh, Alice Chalmers. Alice Chalmers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I lived in Racine for a long time, and and Kenosha was about a 10, 10 12 minute uh, car ride or motorcycle ride south. I've I used to spend a lot of time there, out there by the lake. Right on the lake, there was a really neat little coffee shop. We'd we'd ride motorcycles and pull in there and and have a. Uh, a coffee and it bike night people show up there, you know. So Hey Daryl, two airline anyway. Two airline headlines have hit the news this morning. I don't know if you saw them. I know you've been busy. Uh a lot evident the first one was airline pilots learn to fly drones amid the mass carrier layoffs. Uh hmm. and the second one, the newest one, American Airlines warns admin keep bailing us out or at least 19,000 more jobs are gone mm. yeah oh I see that yeah there's gonna yeah, yeah there's gonna be a, a there's be a lot of pain and suffering in the airline industry a culling. So, uh, and the tourist industry in general yeah the uh, the, the airline problems lead to the tourist well, problems like in Ecuador yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, regrettably, regrettably, the characteristics of uh, not all, but a significant portion of airline pilots, uh, once they get to the the carrier phase of it, uh, where they're making actually, you know, what you would call good currency, uh, they become spendthrifts. Uh, they 
you know, they, they got to have the house, the car, the boat, the uh, vacation house, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so the suicide rate amongst uh, uh, airline pilots who think they've, you know, grabbed the golden ring and then lose it, it's uh, it's pretty uh, – statistically, it's fairly – uh, significant um, bad news. It's hard they, to take all that training they've been through yeah. working at that all those years, well, so all that exactness and demanding activity, and then where do they transfer it? I mean, look at Pat, our our mutual buddy Pat. He was lucky. He's yeah. a, a, a riding a flight simulator over in Thailand. But his job security yeah. might be questioned. well when it, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, there's and then there's this other group of characters uh, in the in the airline business who are, you know, extremely uh, cautious and conservative and actually practice on the ground what they preach in the air and and uh, of course when when that little airline I worked for went kaput. Um, I just moved on into my own business and uh, and can't keep up. And but a lot of other people took a real downgrade in their self-esteem, lifestyle, uh, uh, you know, divorces, just on and on. Yeah. You know, the point is here. What's the point? The point is is that um, all this is doing is exposing. Uh, the vulnerability and the consequences of people's uh, ignorance and life choices. It really is. Mm-hmm. Okay. This, you've always been vulnerable, but they covered it up. And uh, so they had cash flow to cover up the theft of your future labor. And they don't have the cash flow yeah. anymore. Now that there was a sort of amazing statement that guy made on that Kaiser report this morning is that the Federal Reserve put out more money in one month than they put out in 200 years of the country. So, yeah. So doesn't that, shouldn't that give people pause to consider that maybe they actually don't comprehend what money is or what it's called or what they call money is? What is it really? I I mean, here's the. I asked this question. Let me give you, I'm sorry, Daryl, this comes from an authority, Byron Dale, who I had the chance to meet and have several meals with, great guy, one of the earlier pioneers in this. You, everybody, I remember him. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He was a farmer. He was a farmer of the year in either South or North Dakota the year before all this started. Yeah. I don't remember. But he got curious about the monetary system. Now, what old Byron did was went to the library and went through the inner loan book system and started getting books and reading and spent a whole summer. Told his, his son, said, you're running the farm this summer. I'm studying. And he went in and found a way to start his own Federal Reserve. Okay? He did it. And so he went out and started talking about it, and the front cover of his book is called Bash by the Bankers, and it shows him in a hospital bed all wrapped, his head up, and in traction, if I remember right. And the South Dakota cops came in and beat him at his own table with a ketchup bottle. Yep, Yep, they did. They absolutely did. Okay, and this is Byron Dale's three questions, Daryl. What is money? Where does it come from? And how does it get into circulation? 
Now, those are three pretty simple questions. Cody, if you're listening, this is the kind of stuff you need to talk or you're talking to people. Okay, he likes the money issue. The Federal Reserve thing's a real key button for him, as it is for a lot of people. What is money? Where does it come from? And how does it get into circulation? Those are three pretty innocent questions about something as serious as people's livelihood, don't you think? Yeah. Well, what uh, what would you recommend would be the uh, one sentence answer for each one of those questions for the people who are taking notes? I don't think they got a one sentence answer to them. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I, I I don't say that to to be uh, cantankerous. I say it so that I ask that question about those questions so that. You can put them in like uh, if you're doing a PowerPoint and you you were putting up a bullet point. Uh, you know, Paul Paul brought up a really good point of. Uh, I think some other people might have too. Who over the last couple months about um, how to how to grab somebody's attention. You know, and uh, you know, uh, I I think that's something we we sort of have to develop a little bit as a. Uh, a little more of a shorthand with being attention grabbers. It's a it's an art of its own. I think that third question I'd probably go something along the lines of money is either spent or printed into circulation. And it's not printed into circulation. See you missed it on both of your stabs. It's loaned into circulation. Mm. You have to attach compound interest in it for it to be circulating. And all of the collateral, for the most part, cars and houses and everything else, are depreciating assets. Yes. Okay. So uh, <clears throat> we, have a, we actually have a one-word answer for that question. So... What would be the what would be the shorthand answer for what is money? Exchange. If you were going to exchange. Exchange. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Exchange. All right. Okay. Well, there's. But that doesn't there's, really. There's two questions. That doesn't really answer the question because what you're trying to provoke is what's the difference between phony money and real money? What's the difference mm. between currency and money? Well, I, I mean, don't we first have to provoke them? Yeah, and that's what these <laughs> things are designed to do is to titillate yeah, people's would. interest, okay? And before, people so, weren't really interested because they thought you were nuts. And, but that, and that was, as I've said, that's why we use the tax mechanism because everybody's interested in taxes, all right? And once you get them in, it's like John said. He said, look, taxes aren't the reason for this. They're not the reason I'm doing this. But you, once you get into it and understand it, you get confronted with the word liberty. And that's what they say you what have was, that you realize that you don't. What, was, what were those three questions again, Roger? What, what is money? Where does it come from? How does it get into circulation? And how does it get into circulation? Well, currency is actually something that's backed by something that's trent. That, that's why it says the full that, faith and credit of the United States, right on the bill. Yeah, yeah. So, what would be a, 
What would be the short answer for where it comes from? Bureau of Printing and Engraving. U.S. Treasury. Now that's there, there's there's two kinds of money. Yes. Uh, well, correct. one's currency and one's money. Correct. So. And the other, well, if you wanted uh, to get into that discussion with them, you could say and bring a bill out in your hand and say, this is currency, bring out a quarter and say, this is money. Mm -hmm. Because the cur the coins are not spent into circulation. They're spent into circulation, not loaned. The coins are the property mm -hmm. of the Treasury. The Federal Reserve notes are the property of the Federal Reserve. And they're loaned into circulation. Correct. Only. Only way. And they're... And, and they're yeah, they're they're debt money, and they're the only thing that uh, interest is that they can make interest on. They can't make mm. interest on coinage. Mm. This is one of the reasons why you have a shortage of coins because they don't make any money on it's it. It's happening all over the world, by the way. They pull nickels and dimes out of circulation in Australia. They've closed over two hundred and fifty banks, and they've pulled ATM machines. They're fixing to try the cashless experiment down under first. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Australia, and New Zealand are the uh, the beta run of the uh, of the new implementation here. They they already have them subjugated, and so now they're going to go ahead and they're locked up on islands. So yep. they're gonna they're gonna run the beta test, the beta run on them. So yep. remember, they wow. ran the grab the guns beta test on them a few decades back. Yep. And a lot of Arg Australians went and did midnight hey. gardening. <laughs> yeah did you did you notice in the last year we haven't had a lot of um, <clears throat> mass shootings? Which is to say, not any. So I, I, you know, isn't it? Isn't it? Don't you find that a, a sort of a quinky dink there? Very, very quinky dinky. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, the. I don't know. You could the, qualify the New York did. City last weekend as a mass shooting. Well, I, I mean the. I, I mean the marketed, the marketed mass shooting. I, I know. The, uh, I know. The, yeah. Yeah. The the invented aggressions. Um, uh, fall, uh, uh, I, I learned that out of that little book, The Red Symphony. He he didn't call them false flags. He called them invented aggressions. There you go. Ooh, that's good. So, I started reading that last night. That's by beautiful. The way. I got it in the first page yeah. or two of it, Daryl. Pretty interesting. I, yeah. and by the way, let's refer yeah. for people that may have missed yesterday. Book Daryl stumbled on Red Symphony. The links to it are listed in yesterday's cast box episode down at the bottom, along with a eight-hour book Jews Must Live uh, audio book. So, sorry, Daryl, wanted to reference that. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, you know, it all sort of strings together. Um, so you have you have the most powerful financial force known to mankind, which is called compound interest. And uh, uh, you're not in charge of it. You, you're not a party to it. You're the object. You, you don't have access it. to it. You're the object. You, of it. You, exactly. You are the object of it. Uh, you are uh, absolutely. So compound interest works on this funny thing that I call the fourth dimension. 
uh, it works on time. Compound interest works on time. Mm -hmm. If time were to stand still, there would be no profit in it. <laughs> right? Seems, that's, that's called yeah, in economics yeah, the time wrong. value yeah. of money. And see, that's what they've destroyed with the negative interest rate. They've destroyed that basic formula. So so basically what they've done in, in, in effect is that uh, – th thank you for the uh, easy softball there. I appreciate that. Uh, what they've actually done by going to uh, low or – when they go to lower interest rates, they slow time down. When they go to zero interest rates, they stop it. And when they go to negative, they take time in reverse. And and uh, if you will think on that, noodle on that, I think you'll your eyes will pop open a little bit. Uh, now, a, what's the one thing? Let me give an example, Daryl. Current the hundred million dollars that China borrowed back in the early part of last century on which we don't know the percentage on which they've paid off part of that debt that they owed to the British. They have not paid off to the American bondholders. So it's just a percentage of that hundred million is now 1.6 trillion. Uh, oh, oh, compound over time. <laughs> it's, you, uh, compound interest will defeat absolutely any any production, labor or production, uh, uh, labor capital uh, situation uh, scheme that you could ever devise. Usury will always win in every case. It is undefeatable. <clears throat> it's uh, so, you know, to, to make this personal for people, which is I, I think, you know, some of these conversations become so abstract that people lose touch with uh, how it affects them personally on an emotional level. And uh, what's the one thing that you, you were born with, Robert, and given a, a, a you can never get it back? Time. It's time. Time. Yeah. You have time. You have time, and, and, and compound interest and usury – consumes that time it actually they 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 parasite your your time and and your time if it's productive involves energy okay and the the energy that comes out of you expending your time uh production is for you to reap the fruit of that and uh, what they do is they steal your time and they use the fruit uh, they're the usufruct they're <laughs> Now, listen carefully. I'm not cussing. They are the usufructor of your time. <laughs> They're using the fruit. They're usufructors. Okay. Now, now get your mind. I've felt yeah. usufruct this, for years. I can't believe you're bringing this into focus. For me. Uh, they're, they're, they're bloody usufructors. And uh, hopefully, hopefully this will uh, uh, s stimulate the... Uh, <clears throat> the adolescent gene in most people's brain in order to remember it. So uh, this is what they do, and they consume your time. They, they parasite it off in pieces, and, and this pieces can be measured in, in the interest. 
the the usury vigorous the usury use of rate they've got a word uh, for it in their language it's called vigorous you'll hear them refer yeah. to it as the vig where's the vig yeah vig the vig yeah and uh uh shout out to jimmy uh jimmy's very familiar with the vig coming out of long <laughs> island in manhattan oh, so yeah. um so anyway this this time or this energy is a relationship of time and production. Of course, they don't produce anything. They just they just drain off and parasite off your energy and time, and and they they grow more and more off that because they're parasite. They, they the more they parasite, the more that they can compound it and leverage it, and uh, it, it gets a. Uh, a magnifying effect. Of course, this is we're seeing the full revelation of it uh, right now. <clears throat> but this is the one thing that you were uh, you were born with that you can never get back. You can never get it back. So they they literally suck your essence through your time, talent, and energy. Yep. And this is in fact exactly what a uh, a slave or master class would do to owning the uh, the labor and time and productivity of an indentured or uh, uh, full chattel class slave. Yeah, see, back then with the black slaves on the plantation, man, they had if, if they had teeth problems, they had to go send them to the dentist. If they had health problems, they had to send them to the doctor. They had to feed them. They had to take care of them, okay? And this system, now you take care of all that stuff, and they own all the corporations that suck off of you that you use, and then they got the mechanism at the front end where you're indebted, okay. such as the tax system. Thank you. Okay? The tax system, when you use the word income, here's another one those words is what robert are you getting income i think so no you're not you're trading your services Mm. under contract with somebody on the amount of your hours and what they're worth income is gain this is another thing where they've screwed it up over in the internal revenue code okay a gain is if you own a bull and your neighbor has a cow in heat and you carry the bull over there and there's two calves born that's gain and you get one of them and the neighbor gets the other one that's income uh, roger yes daryl I just I just completely lost all electricity here, and I'm running on battery backup right now. So okay. if I have to drop off, my my alternative power pack's holding up. But wow, um, I'll, it was uh, seamless. It was wow. seamless. I might have to sign. It was seamless. Yeah, yeah, sure was seamless. Yeah, yeah. So the so the thing of so the you're you're making an extremely interesting point here, and I want to lay out the timeline for people to understand where we're at now. And I'm going to start with the hazard circular pre-Civil War, uh, and they've, they've tried to say it didn't exist. But this is where the English bankers send out a note through the Federal Reserve or the, the banking system, pre-Federal Reserve, that they're going to – one of the reasons they're doing why England did away with slavery and why they want to um, abolish slavery in the states is they want to move into a different form of slavery – uh, through the financial system, uh, which they did. Notice he said the pre, next step was bringing pre-civil war. Pre-pre-civil war, 
so what they were doing was they were they were refining their 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 uh, collateral system of slavery. The collateral system of slavery was being refined. This went in steps. And so everybody has this crude and rudimentary rudimentary thought process about what slavery is. And that's why that's why you're enslaved and you didn't realize you were or, or couldn't uh, uh, articulate it. So the next step is the financial crisis through the late 1800s and a depression and a currency swap, also further refining the collateral. And not only the collateral, but the motivation for a different system. This has all been uh, brought into 1913, which we're all fantastically aware of. And this is a further step in the refinement of the collateral. Mm -hmm. The bankruptcy in March 9th, 1933, uh, well, that's actually the date of the receivership. This furthermore refines the collateral system. The the uh, um, the new Jew deal through Roosevelt and the Social Security system and the administrative agency continues to refine the collateral system, and and then we uh, we get into uh, Nixon seventy one money goes away and we basically have what is go from fractional reserve to fictional reserve, which is what we've been on pretty much ever since then. Uh, in, in all actuality, but the process is to continue to refine the collateral. Uh, we're at the, the penultimate point of expiration at this point, in this very moment, you are actually living in that moment called synthesis. Yeah, that's the true. Antithesis, anti, the, the, the thesis and the antithesis has been uh, brought to harvest and you are in the moment of synthesis at this very second, and uh, it will give birth to a new thesis. There's a legal term okay. on debt called perfection of debt. I'm sorry Chris isn't on here yeah. with us today. Yeah. And I think, yeah. and I was just yeah. thinking about that while you were going over that timeline, that they perfected the debt on March the 9th of 33. Uh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that that would be a good that would be a good uh, baseline for that. So so in this new perfection of capital collateral, I'm sorry, perfection of collateral. Now we go to the next step. Well, of course, the income tax and all that was the was the uh, uh, a, a real high level refinement, but it it still wasn't enough. They have to go to complete perfection of the collateral and you are the collateral you're in and the this pressure is, this is part. you're in you're being boiled yeah, the, in the boiler okay and they're loaning you interest yeah. at the front end and they're bleeding off taxes at the back end and you're left as nothing but a mob and glob of protoplasm in the boiler got it so the the uh, uh this is just how dark this is just how dark this is robert is that the the injection is a eugenics injection it's an injection <laughs> of eugenics and the eugenic it's an in, eugenics injection that's what this this uh, ostensible vaccine is it's a eugenics injection and this will allow them to tie in electronically uh, uh literally into the uh collateral system and don't forget okay, in, and that it, piece, so, in that treaty yeah. that obama signed in paris the last one on this global warming stuff, at the last minute, they added two clauses in. 
One of them was that everybody have identification that's born and everybody have a birth certificate was the other. Yeah. All right. So so the word so the word citizenship and reside are also steps along the path of perfecting collateral. These are, these are these are all what these are because at the end of the day, uh, I, I know I'm sort of talking in some broader sweeping concepts here, but I, I think this will maybe help some people put some of the larger pieces together. Uh, this this uh, this perfection of collateral uh, allows you to finally cognize, understand, and relate to the uh, uh, basic fundamental contractual fact that you're an article in commerce in a federal yeah. system. Okay. We are. You're an article in commerce in a federal system, which means you are chattel. Chattel, chattel. And uh, so, so the the other really important thing you need to really grip, get your get your head around, get your thinking straight, is you are getting a firsthand one-on-one lesson on technocracy. Yeah. This is the technocratic state that they wanted to, to bring about in the 20s and the 30s, and they didn't have the technology. This is the technoc- technocratic state that Patrick Woods has been screaming about for the last 25 years, and nobody paid attention. Yeah. So now, since you didn't pay attention, you get to get a firsthand one-on-one tutorial, uh, albeit through um, your, your friendly uh, Microsoft store. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Watch out there for those go. updates. Now, listen, we got Don Kikodi with us has joined us here. Kikodi, did you miss the first part of the show, or did you catch that? I did. We were busy making sales calls, so I apologize. But I loved what Daryl was saying. I caught him saying. A rudimentary understanding of slavery, and that's a very profound statement to uh, educate people on. What is slavery? Let's go back. What percentage of your labor does somebody have to own that makes you a slave, Cody? Exactly, and we're basically at 50%, aren't we? I mean, exactly. That is the question. No, 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 that wasn't the question. I'd say about 12.5% what I pay. No. Would no. I pay for oil? No, Cody. I'd say about 12 percent. Cody, if somebody owns part of your income, <laughs> it's point oh 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 one percent you can be, and you're still a slave. All you're there doing you with the percentages is quantifying it. Right. Yep. Mm. Well, you know, that's what happens when you let the camel's toe in the tent. All right. Now look at the other side. Look at the other side of that. Look at the other side of that because it's very interesting. To be free, you've got to be 100% free. Yep. And that requires responsibility. You can be the whatever the number of pi is and be a slave. 3.14. how about how about all the slaves after the Civil War that were uh, uh, ostensibly emancipated, and uh, the, uh, a, a significant portion of them decided they didn't want to leave? <laughs> I mean, this isn't talked about, but that that it's was true. in fact the case. It's very true. I, I like it here. These white okay. folks well, treated look around me, you. These white folks treated me like look, family. Look, look around yourself at this very exact moment in time 
and look at all the people with the mask on. And you know what? They want to stay on the plantation. Yeah. Okay. Everybody wearing their mask wants to be on the plantation. And so they, they, they have taken diversity and made it equal now. You don't have to be black or a Chinaman to be a slave anymore. You can, you can be a white you can be a white slave too now and this this is this is a diversity and the equality they've they have synthesized equality congratulations yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all equal is that what you're telling me daryl what's that brother we're all equal is that what you're telling me daryl yes sir they have they have they have uh uh, liberty, equality, and fraternity. They're all in a fraternity. And of course, none of these people, uh, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to play stump the chump here, but most people can't define liberty. Have no, they can't, they cannot they articulate can. it. And I'm, I'm not going to play stump the chump, but I, I have, I, this, uh, the, there was a young man, there was a young man that I did go at it with several times. And he, it so humiliated him that uh, I, I, uh, I think he, uh, I think he was really uh, profoundly uh, <laughs> uh, changed in some ways because he couldn't articulate it, and he w- was a public speaker and thought he knew what he was talking about. Uh oh. And uh, he just couldn't, he just couldn't get his head around it. It embarrassed him. Josh Tarrell. Somebody. Yeah. Somebody. Darryl, you, you had sent me a link one. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Cody. Darryl. Go ahead. Yeah, you had sent, you had sent me a link one time that Shaking My Head Productions, and it had the video, I forget the name of it, but it was the one of, uh, you know, the slavery is, has ended, and then they. I can't even articulate it properly, but then it goes into, Oh yeah. Oh, well somebody, right. somebody's got to run the farm and Oh, somebody's got, you know, pretty oh, yeah. soon it's basically what we got now. Just <laughs> like you said, a rudiment. And I don't, I don't remember the name of that video. If you do, let, but just pull up shaking my head productions. He's got a lot of good videos. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, that's, that's an animated, uh, uh, presentation of, um, uh, of how you can take uh, slavery and turn it into slavery by uh, non-consent into slavery by consent. Of course, you have to understand this is a highly refined process that's been going on since Samaria and Babylon. Yep. Okay. So slavery is uh, dead. Long live the slaves. <laughs> uh, you know, we. I. I mean. I mean, this is, I have to say it because it's its just the right time and place to say it, but Goat, Goat said, um, you know, there's never people so helplessly enslaved that those that falsely believe they're free. And, and your entire life, uh, well, it, it, it can be identified since the Civil War, everybody um, <clears throat> has um, falsely believed they're free. Uh I imagine there were some people directly after the Civil War that understood that they weren't. But generationally, it becomes diluted in, in your, your identity and your culture and your religion. It's all been watered down and Judaized. So, um, and it has, you know, 
So, and it takes uh, yeah, I don't. it takes some balls to step out of it, to confront this, to understand it, to do the work, to put the information into your brain, to start getting the confidence and your power back. But it does. Will you agree with what I said earlier? It's a self-perpetuating process on the upward side, Daryl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a. It's a. So you know, you asked a question yesterday. Uh, is there anything that you? that there wasn't a dialectic of, and you, you nailed a perfect one there. The the cycle we're talking about is the virtuous cycle, and the, the dialectic of that is what you're living in, is which is the vicious cycle. And uh, one one uh, has uh, promotes a culture that uh, <clears throat> is a space where it makes it easy to do good and hard to do bad. And in the vicious cycle, uh, the, the inverted principles are applied where uh, it, they make it easy to do bad and it's rewarded and hard to do good, which is punished. You know what so keeps flashing back this, into this my is, mind is the old statement that Tupper, uh, Tupper Saucy told me personally this in a conversation last time I spoke to him before he died. And I was trying to explain this 14th Amendment stuff as I understood it at the time. And I was still real cloudy on it looking back. But he was very adamant. And he stopped me. He says, no, Roger, no. Don't you understand? They can only rule evil. Now, that is a profound statement, kids. That's profound. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I... uh, I sort of like these. I sort of like these quasi-philosophical conversations about history, and and uh, time into present realities. Of course, uh, this 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 comments that we're talking about now can be found directly out of Scripture in the Bible, where where good will be bad and bad will be good. Now these are. You can always tell when you're dealing with, um, you know, Lucifer and Satan's children. The uh, the Edomites, the Esau's, the Canaanites, you can always tell uh, because uh, the principles are inverted. Inverted principles, of course, they they show you all this and they tell you about it. They even show you the symbols, but you don't think it affects you. So and, and you ignore it and you procrastinate. So now so now you must suffer. Now you'll be beat. <laughs> the beatings will continue until morale improves. Correct. Remember that. Correct. And and I'm losing all my power. So I have to go. I'm going to crash my computer, so I have to leave. That's a great saying. Right. Whoever came up Bye-bye. with that, uh, the beatings will continue <laughs> until morale improves. <laughs> bye bye. Oh, there's Daryl. He, he exited. Cody, you're left with us. Robert's here. He must have had to go take care of a delivery or something. Uh, always a pleasure I, to get I sent, Daryl's insight in here. Daryl has, you know, there's been a couple of people that were exemplary that I've tutored along the way, and of course I mention them often here. Uh, Brian Howard and 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 Daryl, the two most notable ones. But I know there's others out there that are grasping on this and getting it pretty firmly in their hands that just don't participate with us as much. Cody, what were you going to say? Oh, I sent uh, you guys a. Uh logo that that pastor Locke had uh, talked about that 
I wasn't clear if it was the new Democratic logo or if it was the convention logo, but it exactly mirrored the satanic logo. It just was colored in versus having a picture of the uh, of the goat on it. Well, that sure is geometric star pattern. That is their lawgiver from which there is no appeal. There's no question. I got to thinking about this today that you know the. The, the maybe the reason for the goat is that the goats will eat anything so in a sense the goats will eat any knowledge you know anything good or bad versus the sheep don't know that's you know, ancient you, you know these symbols and their attachments are ancient ancient stuff i would suggest though if you want to look into those aspects there's a great guy on the internet it's a avant-garde uh, uh archaeologist guy his name's robert seffer S-E-P-H-Y-R, I believe it's spelled very unusual, Sefer. He's got a whole channel over there, and he goes into all kinds of deep-rooted stuff on this stuff. Uh, He was talking the other day. I saw one, Cody. Hold your interesting, because this is really interesting. They found, when Rome was founded, you know, the founding story of Rome, Romulus and Remulus, suckled by the she-wolf, right? And one of them killed the other, and it was named after him, Rom, Rome, Romulus. And it, it, he was king of Rome, and it is rumored, and back in the day it was written that they had his remains in a box. He was buried under the main area where the Senate and all that stuff was in Rome. And they found it. They found it recently. Huh. And when they opened it. Well, they found Hold on. When they opened it. There was nothing inside. Huh. They were pulling this crap way back then, man. (laughs) (laughs) See, you're talking about nothing but human nature here, see? Different time, different space, same kind of crap. So what did I miss at the beginning of the... uh the show. I went over in detail for about the first 45 minutes how the monetary system is structured and works. The yeah, bonds, there were the, some Zero Hedge articles on some of this here. Something's got to be done. I'm well, inviting everybody next Monday starting at 11 o'clock, Chicago Federal Reserve. to have a little protest there. Get your bullhorn. Bring horn. your signs. Bring your time. Get your, have you got your bullhorn yet? Yep. All right. Should be delivered today. All right. Well, I used to have be... one that got stolen and broken up, but anyway. Well, I'll tell you what. With Jitsi now, Cody, when you're there, you can vid- put the video on and show us the size of the crowd. Yeah, we'll do and some live streaming. Yeah, do a little live streaming here on the old radio ranch. I tell you, let me tell you, let me see what the sign guy. Let me. He sent me. I've got a good sign that's going to really appeal to uh, all the minorities. Let me remember what it is. Here. Oh, good. I can't wait to Bed hear counter- this. <laughs> <laughs> Bed counterfeiting affects every race. Time to wake up. <laughs> uh, yeah. I need to appeal to all the uh, social justice now, people, get them on board here so they realize Cody, what's going what- on. What type of preparatory promotional activities are you doing for your little demonstration? It's a week from today, you say? Well, I just, yeah, it's, uh, oh, I, there's an event 
that's listed on Facebook. And then there's actually, there's a couple protest sites in Chicago. I hadn't listed it yet. I need to hurry up and get that done. But uh, then there's a guy that uh, oh, does a lot of videos, all the protests and all. I think he's going to put it on his social media here this well, listen, week to promote it. But who knows? It may not be that big at the, at the first go around. But, you know, it's down. I wanted to do it during the weekdays so all the business people and everybody see it. And maybe there's more activity. And I thought what we might do, it's quite a ways, but we may march all the way up to Trump Tower up Michigan Avenue. It's a little bit of a ways, but that might be good exposure anyway. Well, listen, I don't mean to, to, to deter you from doing stuff like this because you may, you, at this stage of the game with what's going on around in the world, people's attitudes right now may be very receptive. You may pick up some new people, and I hope that's the case. Uh, it'll be a real good experience for you, though, I can promise you. Well, that's the thing. I need to wake some people up because everybody's on this race baiting thing right now. We need to, you know, that's that's the real slavery that's going on. That's right we, now that's, we uh when i was in atlanta and, and we were doing protest stuff with our organization their ccg Con citizens of constitutional georgia we would i think one time we went down to the federal reserve building it's down there by the omni and it was much better to go to the capitol because it's right there in the center of town and right next to the gold dome and all yeah, the no. legislators are there we had a number of uh number of demonstrations there i remember one notably against nafta and I can remember the guy that just died, that they just absolutely politicized his funeral, John Lewis. And, and it, you know, I saw oh, yeah. him several times in Atlanta, but he got up and talked at that NAFTA. And I remember the when, you, when I think of John Lewis, I think of the first thing I think of is somebody talking with marbles in their mouth. Because that's the way he would talk, talk kind of that kind of stuff, you know. I can. We're not this NAFTA. I can remember him saying up there, but yeah. poor old John, well, rest was, in peace. I'm sure sorry that they bastardized your funeral the way they did. I would urge anybody to listen. I think there's 16 Federal Reserve District banks. Twelve. So if you don't have time 12. to come to or twelve or whatever, but if you don't have time to come to Chicago, do your own. And the reason I'm doing it on the 31st is I the theme is. It's the last day of summer before the fall of the Federal Reserve. Ooh, this baby. is the theme, so I can get some You're other waxing. people out there. You know, you can go to St. Louis. You can go to Minneapolis, New York. You know, look up on the map. There's the Federal and Just let's get it going, people. We need to educate. Cody, Cody you're waxing poetic on us. Yeah. Got to have something to appeal to the masses. <laughs> Well, it'll be interesting. You'll have a lot of fun probably, meet some new folks, and no telling what will come out of you. And I certainly wish the best for your uh, efforts and monies and time spent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, so I, I, that was really kind of profound what Daryl was saying about the, uh, you know, about, you know, your slavery what was the word we said he used? But, you, you, you know, all about your, Yusuf, your being usufruct. <laughs> the what? Being the usufruct by the usufructors. <laughs> oh, my God. All, you know, anybody that's listening, if you don't think you're enslaved, hell, they even want to charge you sales tax when you no, eat. No, no. I mean, no, come no, on, no. people. Now, no, listen, no, there's, there's, there's a good way to approach this, Cody. This is one of those little things you need to learn from the way that, especially for next week. 
If you think you're so free, tell me the things that you can do without a license, a permit, or permission. Yeah, there you go. If you think you're so free, what things can you do without a license, a permit, or permission? Yep. I'm going to write that one down. Got to remember that for the blowhorn. Because I'm going to promise you there ain't many, and if they would have closed this Paris uh, global warming thing, they, 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 what they want to do ultimately is tax you on your exhale. Have you come to that conclusion yet, uh, Cody? The whole global oh, warming thing. That. I mean, technically, they're indirect. They are. Indirectly, they are, because they've already got taxes on CO2 credits and all that. It's okay. just done well, through the power company. Well, they want to really it. put it down on the screws where everybody's got a birth certificate, everybody's got ID, which means you're all tied into the system, and they can tax you on how much they estimate you exhale every day. Yeah. How about that now? Yeah, it's uh, quite it's quite insidious, uh, and people better wake up and, and I, start I mean, fighting back and change their mentality. And I think the license is a good way to start because if you're a free person, why do you need a license? If you've got the well, education to cut hair, if you've got the education to be a doctor, unless a judge tells you you're a lousy doctor, you can't practice anymore. Why do you need a damn license? Cody, know? what's the legal definition of license? Permission, I guess. I don't know. Permission, you go to Black's Law Dictionary and look under the Don't believe my oratory here. Go make the information yours. Grab a Black's Law Dictionary, look under license. It says permission to do that which is otherwise illegal. Permission to do that which is otherwise illegal. Notice... It does not say license to do that which is otherwise unlawful. It doesn't say that because they can't make you get a license over on that side. That's where the market licenses you. If you give high price haircuts or you do a bad job, people don't come back and they talk bad about you and other people don't come. And the market dictates that. There was a good meme I seen. It said, laws are arbitrary dictates to control the population, not universal standards of morality. That's very true. You know, I remember in the um, one of the books of the noted English jurists, I think it was Pollock and Maitland. You'll hear Brent refer to these folks every now and then. Pollock and Maitland, Cook, Shepard, all these were very, very notable English jurists. And in the, the Pollock and Maitland book they had reproduced, and we covered it in the seminars, it was an excerpt from a Japanese law book, uh, Cody. And the statement was, the people must abide by but not be aware of the law. Oh, my God. And see, that's where we are. You've got to abide <laughs> by profound. it, but you ain't aware of it. You don't understand what the matrix is if you're out there in the general public. But, boy, you can sure feel it. You can sure see it. You know it's out there, just like the movie says. Yeah, I've, I've got this kind of another marketing idea for the freedom movement to start telling people, you know, why do you think it's okay for the government to charge you sales tax when you go buy food? I don't care if it's at a McDonald's well, you know, or a, quote, 
luxury place you eat just because you're busy and you don't have time to go to the grocery Get store. Get this, Cody. Why are you being taxed to eat? We know? had a guy on that was a traffic expert from California. He was a friend of John Caceres. I don't remember his name. But I had him on the show several times, and he'd done a lot of research into the traffic stuff out there and was giving them Section 403, I think, was his big deal in the California Code. But in his research, he came up with, guess who has to pay the sales tax? For a ticket or for what? For anything. Oh, a citizen of the United States? The licensee. When you go get your business license, you're the one that's responsible for the sales tax. They just pass it on to the consumer. Oh, okay. So I see what you're doing. The sales tax is levied on the licensee of the business license. The whole sales tax thing's a scam. Well, the government needs something to operate. I guess they don't with a fractional reserve banking system. Well, that's they, they, they don't even need taxes. That, but. That just, but if the business is paid, them, of course, all they do is mark up their products. That's why when this big red herring that you hear all these politicians throw out there about corporate taxes, oh, corporate taxes, oh, corporations don't pay taxes. Never. Never. If I they pass the taxes on and the price of their goods to the consumer. Robert, yeah, that's like saying China's going to pay going to pay the import taxes, right? Yeah, I tell right. You what, <laughs> we got China over a barrel, man. With and nobody's talking about it except in a couple uh, of corners on the well, they they owe American bondholders one point six trillion dollars, Cody. This is internationally certified. No, we recognized. owe them. We, they owe us or something. We, we owe, owe them and they owe us. Supposedly that's correct. there was something to build a train and that's system why, years ago. So that's, that's, why they, that's why they don't want to recognize this debt because it equals out with the debt they've piled up, the treasury b- b- notes over there, treasury bills. It's just about an equal amount, $1.6 trillion. It equals out both. It's a debt swap. And as the lady that's the head of the Bond Association, I saw her on uh, uh, one of the Epic News uh, things being interviewed. She said, hey, this is common. Debt swaps are done all the time. But on your sales tax, if that's all there were, I could live with that because that's pretty – Fair and equal, if you will, because everyone pays them no matter what your stripe or your economic status well, is. And if you don't want to pay a sales tax, you don't mind anything. Well, that, that's, and that division of taxes is called what, Robert? Uh, yeah, we talked about this. Excise. Um, direct. Excise. Is that direct? Excise. Yeah. No, they're not direct. That's the other category. They're excise taxes. Right. And excise, for them right. to be yeah. the uh, correct, excise taxes have to be uniform. Which yeah. means that it's the same all over California on something three percent sales tax or whatever it is. Okay, and yeah. uh, but well, you te- know, technically they don't. They shouldn't. They they're not mandated to pass it on to the consumer. You know, the advantage though of a excise tax is when the government has ruined the business climate like they have with all this lockdowns. At least they lose money also. With property tax, they can just 
keep levering it on people even though that they've ruined the economy and people can't make the money. And that's called your ad valorem valorem tax on the property that you've got listed on the property rolls because of this fraudulent system. Now is the perfect time to get people to raise hell and about the elodial title. Now is the... I think I'm going to try to get Ron Gibson maybe in November to come to Illinois whenever these farmers get done with these fields here and try to do a Trying to do a presentation because now now is the year people are feeling the pinch and they're more willing to take a stand, I think. Well, they're feeling the pinch all over the place and they're fixing to feel it more because we're fixing to go through some sort of a banking crisis here in the very near future. I don't know if you knew it or not or saw the headline. Uh, I saw it and it didn't register with me uh, here about, what, two, three weeks ago? Warren Buffett sold all of his bank stocks. He was big, big owner in Wells Fargo. I know, maybe some of the other ones, but not you only me. all of his. Not only did he sell all his bank stocks on one side, Cody. Guess what he bought? Gold. Yep. Ooh, I yeah. think I'd seen that, but I didn't realize he sold all his bank stocks. Yep. <laughs> Excuse me. Yep. Well, Roger, if sales tax is all we had, could you live with that? You know, this goes back to the flat tax idea. Uh, down mm-hmm. here, we've got something that you guys don't have up there. They got around a lot of the rest of the world called a VAT tax. You know what a VAT tax value is? Value added tax. That's value added. Yeah. And what they do yeah. is they stick the tax in the in the process of manufacturing. And the problem mm-hmm. of it is they stick it at the end too. By the way, but the problem with the VAT tax is you can't identify where it's where it's being applied. Mm. Okay. What now, do you mean, Roger? You can't identify well, it. Well, they, they could put it into the manufacturing process where one good goes that you need one part and it goes to another larger machine, and they can tax it in those processes internally in the way things are manufactured. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There's no exception for the manufacturer? I'm not an expert on it. I just know a little bit about it because I've never had to deal with it, but I... Uh, except down here, and the way you do it, when you go to Crepes and Waffles, you and Suzanne, they just add yeah, the VAT tax at the now. end, 12%. Yeah. And that's called a flat yep. tax. Okay, a VAT tax is a value added, all right? And it's mm-hmm. generally done, even though they call it that, it's more of a flat tax. Uh, but, but that's that's a little, Roger, that's a little misleading because people are going to think that's another form of income tax, and it's not. They no, it's still not. have it's income just, tax in Ecuador plus that. That, right. The, that tax. Yeah, I guess what the the income yeah. tax authority in in uh, Ecuador is called. Do you know, Cody? SRI. And what's that the exact dialectic of? <laughs> IRS. It's IRS backwards. IRS, I guess. Yeah. There you go. I always thought that was funny when I realized yeah. it. <laughs> Oh Lord! What does it stand for again? Something. I I, man, I don't know. Don't 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 make me embarrass me on my Spanish. Don't make me embarrass myself on my Spanish. It stands for something in Spanish. Um, So we covered a lot of ground today. There's a couple people that hadn't even stuck their hand up. Any questions or comments or anything we didn't cover? What we should or you'd like us to? Damn, man, we must be really good. 
We must be really good to cover all those little minute corners and darkness and nobody have even a single solitary question. So much information. Pardon me? I was just saying so much information you don't know what to ask. You get, hey, here's a good one for you, Robert. You get gobsmacked. (laughs) Or you like to say water from a fire hose. Yeah, take a drink of water out of a fire hydrant. That's always fun on a hot summer day. Well, we got a lot of stuff happening. The the gurus of finance are meeting this week at Jackson Hole. They're going to be out there in another couple of days. Uh, mm. I'm sure sorry to see those people degradate that beautiful area. If you've yep. never been around that part of Wyoming, the western part of Wyoming, they're around Yellowstone, south of Yellowstone. It is magnificent country. Yellowstone is beautiful. We used to go in there. We'd go out there on those ski trips, Robert, and we'd always take one day a week and wouldn't go skiing. And we'd get up real early and drive that hour up to Yellowstone and go rent snowmobiles and go into the park in the middle of the winter on snowmobiles, which is super cool. Super cool. No doubt. All of a sudden, first of all, it's so damn cold. I mean cold, okay? And you're there before sunlight. And you got on all your under underwear, long underwear. Then you got on your ski outfit. Then they give you another big thing to put on over that, okay? And you get on these snowmobiles, and it's maybe 20, 30 below zero with the wind chill. And you get out there in these snowmobiles. It's starting to get light. you got a road to follow. And as you exhale, it's so cold that your exhale freezes on the inside of the plastic mask, face mask. So now you got to be go, you're going, you know, maybe 15, 20, 25 miles an hour, and you got to turn your head sideways so you can get airflow through there to get rid of the condensation that where you can't see. And you go along for a while and you're fighting all this stuff, and all of a sudden you got to stop because there's a herd of buffalo bison crossing there, and there's 20 or 30 of them in the road. It's a very cool experience, man. Yeah, sounds like it. Like stop off and see all the the little uh, little water, the nice waterfall they call the little something, uh, but go in and watch Old Faithful if it spews up and all that stuff. And they got they got those pools there along the road, and there's snow everywhere, and you can see the different color algae in the pool because the water's clear. And you go take an egg and put that thing in there in three minutes, it's boiled. Mm, yeah. Yellowstone is the closest place on the entire earth that the inner core magma is the closest to the surface of the earth. That's why you wow. got all those ab- abnormalities up there. Lovely. The guys are in so Yeah, all those guys are lovely lovely area. Well, it's it technically is. a caldera. Yes, it's technically it is. Technically inside the caldera. It's a super volcano. There's a couple of oh. them around the world, and it's one of them. And it, if and should and when it does re-blow again, I can't remember that they had statistics. The last time it went off, they had like eight feet of ash all the way to St. Louis and even further eastward. 
It's it's a serious serious super volcano, and if it blows, it's going to mess our country up with a capital F. Okay, pardon me, eleven. Hope we don't grab that white paint and start bottom wall. Pardon me, who? Hello. Somebody's got their phone on. Is he talking to us or is he? Eleven. Are you trying? I don't think eleven's talking to us. I'm going to have to mute him. Did he mute himself? Yes, you will. Okay, I'm going to mute him. Well, now, hell, i got to find him. Somebody else came on here. All right, we'll get it together, kids. Let's see. Okay, we're going to mute him out. He's gone. So, uh, what was somebody who was going to say something just then? All right, we'll get it together, kids. Well, I guess I didn't get him. <laughs> no, you got the wrong mute. <laughs> That's what, people, that's what people used to say when they voted for Newt Gingrich. You got the wrong Newt. Oh, that loser. I don't I don't. He's know. a guy. Oh, that's Sarge. I don't want to mute out Sarge. Jim came on there. there. Uh, Jimbo, can, did I mute you out or are you live? I think I'm live. You're well, live. Uh, yeah, it's my, I'm just trying to select a microphone and the thing's not working right, but it uh, looks like something's working. <laughs> Okay. How you doing today, man? For a second. I've been listening on uh, TuneIn, and things are sounding good there. Glad you got everything worked out. And, Boy, uh, me too. Whew. What a hassle. I'll tell you what. I'm working for my laptop, and it's no fun. <laughs> it's, you know, small. you get old, and your eyes get bad anyway, and those letters get little, and I got to, somebody types me something, I got to get pretty damn close to the screen just to see what they're saying. So, yeah, I've got a. I had to hook up a second monitor. I had a little flat screen TV that I hooked up, so I've got two different screens. One to hold all the programs, and uh, going back and forth is a pain in the backside. But you know, hopefully, I'll have a new machine here in a week or so. This is quite an experience running everything, isn't it, Jim? Oh, <laughs> it's bad enough when I had a 27-inch monitor, but, man, I'll tell you what, going from a laptop is a pain in the butt. Now, I'll tell you one uh, thing a listener got back with me. I adjusted it last night a little bit. Nobody said anything today. Are our levels pretty good between the level of my voice and the level of uh, uh, anybody else? Yeah, everything so far. When I, when I was on TuneIn listening, everybody was about right, and uh, here everybody seems to okay. be pretty good, too. Good deal. Yeah, Jitsi's a real godsend for us. It takes the place of Skype, and uh, uh, I, I like it. And I'm sure they're going to get better as they, you know, get some of their little snafus solved and add new features. But you can do video stuff. I guess I could sit here and show y'all stuff, uh, you know, while we're on the air if I needed to. But uh, it's a pretty nice little platform. Necessity is the mother of invention. It falls over. Yeah, I'm just... Uh... I think once once I get my new computer, hopefully I'll be able to get that up and running and be a little more seamless between the shows. Uh, when I was doing it, it was fun, but I just couldn't get all the echoes and things out. Uh, we're going to play around with that some more once the new computer gets here. There you go. You ordered a new box, have you? Well, I hope I did. <laughs> I, I did some searching online to see if I could find anybody that sold Apple computers for Bitcoin, and I found a place in London that their website's been up for a couple of years, so that's a good thing. And it's not like a fly-by-night thing. I, you know, with Bitcoin, I'm nervous because once you hit the send button on that, it, it ain't coming back. So if it's a scam, it's a scam. I just lost my Bitcoin. But I feel pretty good about it. Um, 
and I ordered a, a about a fifty five hundred dollar computer yesterday for about forty one hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin. So there you go. Uh, By the way, there was a guy on uh, Max Kaiser last week. I mentioned him briefly, but I I did save his site that somebody might be interested in. He's got a real real safe and secure place and method to keep your Bitcoin. All kinds of layers of protection and stuff. They do have a free element, and I what really, I thought the name of his website was just really cool. Keys K E Y S dot Casa C A S A Keys <laughs> Keys to oh, the Casa <laughs> Keys yep. dot Casa. Pretty cool looking little site, and uh, you might want to look into it if you I'll got a lot of Bitcoin laying around like Jim does. Well, I use a keep key and it uh, it works really, really well. The biggest thing is the the software that they keep changing it. One minute I can get it on I use it on my uh, browser, and the next minute I have to log into a website, and it's just one thing after another. But um, either way, I'm able to access it. And, well, fortunately uh, or unfortunately, we'll see which the case is. Uh, my bitcoins in BitClub network. Yeah. I had some in there, but I don't know. I don't even know how. Much I think we're going to get those contracts back. I don't I think, think so I, they they got no charges on these guys. The company was clean. They were having two international accounting firms go over their books when this happened, yep. and they were going to consider taking the company public. Uh, and I, it was a political move, obviously, and we'll see how long they can hold them. It's approaching nine, ten months now on a one charge of wire fraud. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully, it'd be nice to get back into it, but uh, we'll just have to yep. wait and see. Well, I had, a, I had a number of eggs over in that basket. I sure as hell hope we get them back. Hey, listen, <laughs> the, other things, the other things we can cover here with the last one we got a minute, or I guess we're about out of time, aren't we? Um, the people that bellied up to the bar in the carrot bar offering, mm -hmm. I think are going to be richly rewarded. Um, the, uh, they're, they've got some kind of a deadline. If you got your coins and they're not in the carrot bar exchange, there's an October 15th deadline, I believe that need to get mm -hmm. that done. But, uh, uh, the folks that bellied up to that bar are going to be pretty happy about it. Carrot bars, as I've said, the whole time is a real solid operation. And I think we're probably going to be hearing about them more and probably talking about them more here as the price of gold spikes more in this situation develops and worsens. Because they're one of the solid. Uh, did you get in on Electronium, Jim? No, the only I got in on the carrot bars coins, and that was it. Uh, the Electronium thing floated around, and I had I some Bitcoin at the time, and threw a bunch at it, and that looks like it's going to make it too. And that was the uh, initially the one coin that was mined on cell phones. It's out of England, and they're right. still around and making all kinds of moves in the background too. So that one looks solid. I had one called Token Pay that I haven't heard anything from that I think must have gone under. But fortunately, I didn't have a whole lot in there. Uh, but uh, all these things where we stuck our little nuts up in the holler of the oak tree are probably going to sprout <laughs> down the line. Okay, Little squirrels, nice. little squirrels. And, yep. uh, and the whole, a lot of the rest of the world is going to go through a whole lot of pain and suffering. The biblical uh, description of it is gnashing wailing and gnashing of teeth 
Yeah, weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Weeping, <laughs> wailing, and gnashing of teeth. There's yep. going to be a lot of that. I'm sorry for it. I've tried for a good part of my life to try and awaken people so they could avoid it. And for whatever reason, that hadn't happened. A few of you have. And uh, hopefully we'll be the ones that will teach the folks as the dust settles uh, these important principles they should have known before. Uh, I don't know if we'll have Paul tomorrow. I sure hope so. He may drop in. He may not. He's like the phantom. And uh, hopefully he'll have the time in want to visit with us. Uh, otherwise, we'll see what happens between now and tomorrow, the next 22 hours. And um, I'm going to go have lunch with the guys here, and we'll talk about the important stuff. If you guys got anything that you want to discuss, just write it down and bring it up, and we'll be happy to cover as best we can. Uh, so you guys have a good day, and uh, we'll check you with too. you tomorrow. And hope you got something out of today. We covered a lot of ground today, important ground. I'll see y'all yep. tomorrow. You know, I got to go take a shower and stuff, man. I got to go be with people. Mother Earth will swallow you. Lay your body down. Find the cost of freedom. Wow.